punters and welcome to Tabs Inside 50, a smorgasbord of footy podcast this week. We've got the prelim final look and we've also got the Brownlow preview as well. So no excuse to not have all the footy knowledge. And we've got two of the greatest minds in footy here, Shane Crawford and Glenn McFarlane. Macca, welcome back. Yeah, g'day, Quinny. Thanks for having me. And Looking a forward to it. Big, big week on and off the field. And Shane Crawford, who's always starting both those departments, you are back and you've been a very busy bee this week. Very busy, but uh, how good. Like, disappointing with the matches last week. Both of those matches done fairly early in those games. But the week before, unbelievable. And I reckon this weekend, prelims, it's going to come right down to the final siren. It really is. I think all four can win, which is which makes it difficult to try and be very selective on who you want to pick to win. And then not only that, I think they can all win the flag. I just want to know, when was the last time that we thought that was possible? Because we think a lot of teams can make a grand final, but all four of these teams, the Geelong Cats, the Brisbane Lions, Port Adelaide, and, of course, the Mighty Tigers, they can all win the flag this year for 2020. It's amazing, isn't it? Is. it? I don't think there's been a finals where the four teams are probably, you can make an equal case for all four. Oh, 100%. And I think, uh, and that's where it becomes a really interesting fact. If you look at the way this, the whole premiership favouritism has gone through the year, and, and our great man Trent Langscale would know how, my, how many times the uh, premiership favouritism has changed. Everyone who was premiership favourite, it was like a poison chalice there for a while. <laughs> They'd fall up the next week and slip up. And uh, it, it is the purest weekend of footy, I reckon, for me. Uh, the, the preliminary finals. It's the, the chance to get into the last dance. And, and I think that's why we see so many great preliminary finals. I had a chat a, a week or so ago to Brad Ottens about that famous Collingwood mm. Geelong 2007 preliminary final, which was almost the grand final before the grand final. There are so many. It's littered with uh, fantastic games. And I think we will see, as Groff said, some two games that go right down to the wire. And there was about 98,000 people yeah. at that grand final. 98,000 yep. and two to be precise. Correct. And Spot on. It was absolutely packed to the rafters, yeah. the MCG, and it was a magnificent night for footy. And yeah. Shane Crawford, you played in two prelim finals, and one of them is one of the best games I've been at. Unfortunately, it didn't quite go the way of the Hawks back in... 2001, a crowd of just under 87,000 on a beautiful Saturday afternoon when you took it to the clear premiership favourites, the Bombers, and fell just short. But it was a magnificent game and one that must bring back a lot of memories. Uh, bad memories because we lost the match, but uh, we were the underdogs going in. I do remember you know, Trent Crowe having a shot only a few minutes to go and a 60 out. I was right behind the kick. and Was it home, Crawford? I it thought it was home. home, definitely. And then all of a sudden, and sometimes the, the MCG, you get a bit of a swirly brim, but it just faded and whacked uh, the post. But, yeah, it looked through pretty much 99% of the time from the angle I was watching it. And then I think there's would have been a different story because then we're sort of trying to hang on and um, Essendon were able to kick a, a goal after that. And, yeah, I think it might have been different. But, anyway, it, I think, if anything, we sharpened up Essendon for the next week. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it's prelims are great because you always obviously get the best sides. Uh, it's an arm wrestle there, tough games. If you look through, you know, even the history of Hawthorne in prelims recently, they come down to a last kick, a lot of those games. And then... Some teams can springboard out of it and then, you know, peak the following week. But, yeah, prelims, and especially favourites going to the matches, sometimes tense up a bit, don't play their natural style because there's that added pressure. And some of the underdog teams, they just come in, you know, foot to the floor and just really take the game on. And, and as we always talk about scoreboard pressure, so crucial. Got to take your shots, got to make sure they go through. 
every time you get an opportunity, scoreboard pressure becomes so crucial in such important matches. Yeah, well, Hawthorne, when they won the three in a row, they struggled in each of those preliminary finals to get through to the grand final and, and obviously performed well on the day. I think a few of those guys have actually said the pressure of actually playing in a, in a preliminary final, because there's such a big carrot to have the whole week, it's not just the chance to win a grand finalist, to have that whole week experience is really big. Do you reckon, Crawford, if you had to won that 2001 preliminary final, could you have beaten Brisbane the next week? Uh, Brisbane obviously ended up beating Essendon. That was a bit of a shock yeah. uh, in, in that sense. Could you have beaten Brisbane? Probably not, um, Gee, if not being realistic. Uh, only because, you know, we, we had to be at our very best to beat Essendon and, you know, we couldn't get the job done. And, yeah, I, I just don't think we we had the team, you know, capable of winning the flag that year. As much as, you know, we'd love to live in fantasy land and think you can bulletproof and you can take on anyone if you things go your way. I just, I don't think that would have been the case. Obviously, if you make a grand final, we're going all guns blazing thinking we can win. But when I look at prelims, Quinny, you know, it's because you get that break. So Brisbane and Port Adelaide have had that break. We, we've seen with Geelong, they don't handle a break. Their buys during the mid-season, they're terrible off a buy. And they were pretty scratchy against Port Adelaide. Then they had a peak performance the week after. So it's it's crucial the way that you handle your break. You can't switch off. You can't go, listen, we're going into full freshen mode. Happened to Richmond a few years ago where they went into a prelim and uh, Geelong beat them. I mean, uh, Geelong Collingwood. Collingwood. Mason Cox. Yeah. Richmond didn't look themselves. And you can go in a touch flat. So if you're having a break, you've got to keep, keep the work going, keep the physical stuff from a training point of view, because once your body goes into shutdown mode and you take it out of its routine, it's and I say it all the time, you come back from holiday, you start work, that week, scratchy, you know, because you have been lying around on the couch, lying by the pool, taking your time, and it takes you a week to get back into rhythm and the body to get uh, its normal routine going again, and, and that can happen as well. So we have seen in the past teams coming off a freshen up, act or start pretty poorly and not get themselves going. So I'm expecting – I'm not expecting that with Port Adelaide I'm, and an, or Brisbane as well. I'm expecting the opposite. I'm expecting them to come. But uh, the thing is they've got Richmond who have got themselves going, straightened out their discipline and uh, really hunted the footy and got a lot of confidence. And then you've got Geelong who, if they're a racehorse, you'd always back them second up. And if you look <laughs> through their second up uh, history – over the last seven or eight years off the bye, they lose the first game. The second game, they have a peak performance. They're believing. And don't forget, they smashed Brisbane early in the year. So Geelong are going in and they're super confident that they can get the job done. So we're just going to have some absolute cracking games. Well, let's get stuck into them. Take a look at the two previews. Friday night, Port Adelaide up against Richmond. It opened at ninety each of two. There's been support for the power who will be the first team to advance in the 2020 season to the grand final? Oh, well, do you know what? This has been doing my head in. It was very much like the first round of the finals. It's like, oh, who do you do? You pick Port Adelaide, do you pick Brisbane, do you pick Geelong, Richmond, you know, West Coast, Collingwood, St Kilda, Bulldogs. The more I've thought about this match, the more I keep coming back to Port Adelaide. Crowd factor, massive. Scoreboard pressure early in the game, that'll be. Like, they will be flying. They're tough around the footy. Like, you know, you got Pal Pepper, Ollie Wines, Boke. They're, they're really tough at putting their heads over the footy. They do these little little uh, dink kicks. So they don't try – because when you get the footy, you can't just lay into it and kick the ball 50 metres around a stoppage. 
it's impossible because of the pressure these days. So these teams, and especially Port Adelaide, are really good at at Ollie Wines, gets it, just throws it straight on the boot, goes 25, 30 metres, and then they they create that run. They've got great spread on the outside. They've got really good balance. And the last the last five or six matches I've watched from Port Adelaide, I think defensively they've really set up extremely well. Any deficiencies they did have, they've really worked on it. So I, th- I think they can set up a pretty good brick wall. Richmond, we know, are incredible. I don't think they're the team they were last year, but they're still very much capable of winning a flag. That's why this match is so intriguing. But I reckon Ken Hinckley will go to work on Shy Bolton. He'll make sure that when he is around the stoppages, they'll make him physically work for the footy, you know, and they'll make sure that he gets uh, a lot of contact, but in the right manner. You know, obviously Trent Cotchen's a, a superstar through there. Dustin Martin needs a lot of watching. But I, I've just come back to Port Adelaide. I, I just think timing is perfect as long as they've handled the break right. I just, I just feel like they can get the job done. I think it's going to come right down to the final siren. I think it's only going to be a couple of kicks in it either way if Richmond are good enough to win. Um, and it's the same with Port Adelaide. But I, I just think they're ready. They don't rely on Charlie Dixon to kick all their goals like they were at the start of the year. I think they've got that spread better. I do like their youngsters. I think they're big game players. And I think Port Adelaide are going to head into the 2020 uh, grand final. What a story that would be too. I'm going to go the opposite than I agonised over this game as well. I tipped Richmond at the start of the year. I tipped them at the start of the final. So I feel like I've got to stick with them now and see them through. Uh, I've got a few little concerns, but the discipline issue, issues are worrying me, just giving away silly free kicks, giving away 50-metre penalties. But I'm hoping, hopefully they're going to be on top of that in this, in this week's game as well. Not sure my tips are going to strike fear into the heart of Ken Hinckley at the moment. My final <laughs> tips have not been great so far, but... If you look back to that game in round 11, when it was one of the great games of the year, wasn't it? Uh, Port Adelaide v Richmond. Power win by 21 points. Look at the names that were out of that Richmond side that day. Cochin, Asprey, Hooley, Prestia, Edwards, Nan Curvis. That They are the elite, yeah. if you look at it, and are playing reasonably good footy at the moment. There's a couple that could probably lift. But I think if they can hit the game early, Richmond, and take the crowd out, which they're a team that are capable of doing that, I think they can get over the line here. Just... It'll be a close one, but I, I'm really confident they're going to be in the game right till the end, and, and I think they can cause an upset. I'm siding with Croft <laughs> with the power. Hang on. You, this is you're interesting. You're a Richmond man. I am. So uh, are you just trying to go, hey, listen, I'll pick Port Adelaide, but I'm deep flags. down, come on the Tigers. I'll be cheering we, the Tigers, but I think the power will beat them. I've been unimpressed with mm. Richmond this finals campaign. I think both weeks they've played in spurts, but the spurts have, where they've mm. been bad, they've been really mm. bad. St Kilda should have gone very close to beating them last week. The Saints were just so disappointing in the big moments. They Finishing those big moments. Those goals. Yep. They mm. made bad mistakes. I think St Kilda beat themselves, where Richmond, they just, again, they did the week before against mm. Brisbane, they just went missing for five minutes at a time. Now, Shea Bolton produced some absolute magic mm. last week, and it was Cracking the goals. moments of individual brilliance that got Richmond over the line against St Kilda, but against a team like Port, who are better across the spread with the full 22 that have no deficiencies, I just don't think they're going to be able to go missing. It's going to be hard, isn't it? With a team like Port Adelaide, and they're so consistent, Port Adelaide, I think that's the thing we've seen them this year. We've expected drop-offs. There really hasn't been the drop-off. They've been that consistent, mm. uh, played that consistent brand of footy all the way through. Charlie Dixon's obviously important, but they get, you know, they've got so many others around who can kick goals. Their midfield is outstanding. I can't wait to see 
Port Adelaide's midfield go head-to-head with Richmond. We know how good Dustin Martin is in finals. I, it's just got all the hallmarks of an absolute classic. But the thing one. that worries me again with Dustin Martin is he was amazing that first quarter against Brisbane, and Richmond was winning by a little bit. Then he had a bit of a drop-off, and then all of a sudden Richmond went totally missing. So they're yes. way too dependent on him. They he are. was outstanding for a quarter and a bit against the Lions. He was very good in the whole game against the Saints. But I just don't think it's a fair expectation to expect him to be clearly best on ground and expect the likes of Bolton and these guys to have terrific games for Richmond to be in the contest. They haven't got enough players contributing and they just have these patches where they mm. just go missing. Which they haven't done, really, if you look at it across their, you know, they've done it all all season this year, but previously, in the previous three years, they haven't really done that, have they? And I think a lot of us were hoping and expecting, come finals time, mm. they'll, they'll flick a switch, they'll be locked in, and they'll play consistent footy for four quarters, but two weeks into the finals, they've mm. done it on neither occasion. So I don't have confidence to think they'll be able to go to Port, who did finish on top for a reason, and just flick the switch. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and, and when you when you think of Port, it's like how have they handled the two weeks? Mm. You know, what type of training have they done? Because sometimes coaches get a bit scared to really, you know, it's like oh, this is our time to really freshen up, hit the ground running. But mentally, you you got to have physical contact in your training. You really do, just to keep you mentally in that zone. So you'd like to think they've they've kept that up, but you know, Adelaide Adelaide City South Australian supporters. You know, very, very patriotic. So you just wonder, reading the newspapers, have they started to think, you know, we can progress to a grand final? You don't want to be thinking about a grand final. You, you've got to be thinking about the first first bounce and what you can do. So have they played the match before they even turn up? There's a fair bit of pressure There's, on there's, there's a lot of young that. kids in this side. Yes, they're big game players, but I'll tell you what, two weeks is a long time to, to fantasise about... Where are we going to go? Where could we, you know, could we win the premiership? Could we be holding up the cup? You got to make it first. So that's a massive advantage for the Tigers. I agree with you. Tigers on the same side as they were last year. Still a very good side. Yes, they are patchy. And the thing that convinced me on Port Adelaide was when they played Collingwood around seventeen or eighteen, or towards the end of the year. Last round, yeah. yeah. Last round was it? And Collingwood, Collingwood were going at that time, and they just couldn't. It was at the Gabba. They could not find their way through Port Adelaide defensively. You know, the back halves, the midfielders were pushing and blocking space. Uh, their last line of defence was holding up extremely well. And and they just squeezed them. And they just couldn't get through. And that there convinced me. I'm like, oh, we're looking at a premiership team right here, what they're doing right now. And the improvement throughout the year. Because I wasn't a believer for a long time with Port Adelaide up until that time where I thought, oh, hang on, they've they've fixed a few areas, you know. Probably since that Geelong match where they got wiped, no pressure through the midfield, they've totally, you know, got the blinkers on and really fine-tuned. And so that, for me, convinced me, do you know what? I, th- I, think, I think they're the premiership. They should be pro- probably the premiership favourites on that uh, because the improvement has been there. Whereas Brisbane... And I know we're going to talk about this game, but Brisbane, they've been patchy all year. They haven't played great footy all year. You know, their best footy was probably against Richmond in their first final. But still, they have times a little bit like Richmond where, you know, you can score against them. So, um, yeah, it's very intriguing. Am I confident? No, not really. But the more I look at Port Adelaide, the more they're starting to convince me that 
they can win the premiership. Every Richmond player in that team last week had won a premiership. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. Just, you shake your head at that. And That's the only thing that sort of just swaying me a little bit, that that pressure that Croft is talking about Port Adelaide and the Adelaide City, and it's been bubbling away, and there'll be a bit of pressure on the, on the power in that game. That, that's why Richmond have to... They've got to win the first quarter. Yep, yep. I agree. They've got to win the first quarter. The they're right in this early, game. Get your first shot at goals. Got to go through. Yep. It's so hard interstate. Once the lo- the local team gets a bit of momentum, gets the crowd on their side, all of a sudden it's like having an extra player out there. So you got to you got to find your and very Tom best. Tom Lynch at the moment is a little jittery, as we've seen with Tomahawk at stages as well in front of goal. Is a little jittery, and 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 Jack Rewald is struggling to have a real big impact at the moment. So. A lot of pressure on those two going in. It'll be an absolute cracker. Port Adelaide up against Richmond Friday night. Croft put away the board games. The AFL rolls on. And so does Tab's AFL Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858. Saturday night. We've got Brisbane up against Geelong. Oof. The Cats are slight outsider at two dollars ten and given three and a half at the line. You both don't look like you're brimming with confidence selecting this game. <laughs> no, <laughs> you can open the batting. It's, it's both games. I, I'm I'm going to go with the Lions only because of the home ground. But Geelong obviously um, gave them a football lesson early in the year. Geelong set up so well. So when you get the footy against Geelong, you've got you've got to switch play, but the you, Play's got to keep moving, so you can't switch, pull back, switch, pull back. You've got to really keep the ball moving because their defence just shuffles across and holds up so well. They really back themselves in, and they don't have a fast defence, Geelong, but they're just they're rock hard if the they can slow down the opposition the way they move the footy. So look for Brisbane once they do have the footy to switch the play and to be brave to switch it through the middle. So, you know, a kick from the wing into the centre square and then maybe another switch, but really on the move. That's one thing that I think they have to do. Otherwise, they won't win the match. They've got to dominate in the middle of the ground. That's the key. Geelong looked like they were playing the Little League on the weekend, which, you know, unfortunately Collingwood didn't bring it. It was just, it was just too easy to win the footy through the middle and then just work out what they actually wanted to do with it. Brisbane are good at stoppages. Brisbane are really good in the middle of the ground, and that's crucial at the Gabba. And I'm just thinking Brisbane can really match Geelong in that area, and that's probably one thing that's going to sway me to the Brisbane Lions. But the Cats were awesome. I thought the Cats are very much a premiership contender, even though a lot doubted them last week. But what they dished up was just incredible, although, you know, calling were off. So it's it's pretty hard to line up exactly how off were Collingwood or how good were Geelong? They were pretty off. <laughs> no, oh, they were off. Were and, they? and, you know, I'll wow. tell you what, Collingwood, when you look through Collingwood, not to turn this into Collingwood, but when you look through <laughs> Please don't. over the last few years, they've got issues because, you know, coming off a very good win, they were, you know, it was embarrassing for them, unfortunately. The year before, prelim, they had two-week break, lost to GWS, looked flat as attack. Prelim, MCG, the Giants somehow won that match, got themselves into a grand final. And then I'll see, you know, a, a big fade away for the grand final the year before. So, you know, I know I don't want to make it about Collingwood, but there's there's some big games when it matters most, and there's a lot of players going missing. And for some reason, whether or not it's fitness or the preparation leading in, they've got huge alarm bells 
because you look through that. You look through that match on the weekend. You look through the prelim last year. Why are you so flat off a two-week break? You should be absolutely humming, hitting the ground and peaking. Um, so anyway, they've got a lot of soul-searching to do. Sorry to make this about Collingwood, Glenn. <laughs> but I, I, I'm thinking Brisbane can win. Confidence is not high because I think Geelong can win also. But once again, home crowd factor. I think if they can go well early, they should be good enough to hold Geelong out. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm going to tip Brisbane Lions, but I did agonise over the game. I'm not sure about Geelong. They were terrific last week. That was as good as we've seen them play for a long time. But again, I just wonder whether Collingwood was that flat, whether they were a bit flattered by uh, the effort that the Magpies put in. I think it was pretty poor um, off the back of uh, the hard quarantine and travelling across the country. So I think if you go back to, and we do know that uh, Geelong beat Brisbane earlier this year, but you know obviously where that was. That was at the SCG from memory, and I reckon the Gabba makes a huge difference. The Lions haven't lost at the Gabba for 13 months since that GWS semi-final. I just think they know how to play that ground. They they love it, and I, and I really do think that week's break is going to help them with that. Some so many, uh, I think Dangerfield will be an interesting scenario here. He spent so much time forward against Collingwood. The game was over, so they were able to rest him pretty much forward, and he was as dominant as you could imagine forward. So I can I expect a, a much more of a midfield role this uh, this week for Dangerfield, and I think that's important for him. And Chris uh, Scott said, "Oh, he'll probably spend a lot of time forward." So he'll as do soon the as opposite. he says that, he'll yeah. do the opposite. There's, there's so I no think he's rested up. Yeah. yeah, and I think you're right about that. So um, Tomahawk and Harris Andrews, what a great duel that would potentially be. I'm really looking forward to that. But I just think that Gabba factor has swung me a little bit. I'm not sure they're playing brilliant footy, the Lions, but I think they're playing well enough to get over the line here. If it was to be a Port Adelaide Brisbane grand final, how much would come down to the fact that they have probably been the two teams the most suited by the circumstances this year? That's a good point because they have. They've been able to be home pretty much the the whole season other than a little bit of traveling here and there so um i think it's been such a unique year that i'm not an asterisk person if if brisbane win the grand final at the gabba i think fantastic we've got through the year so i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to put a little asterisk against a brisbane or a port adelaide premiership there there is elements of the fact that some clubs have done it a bit easier than others but I think it's been a huge effort to get to, through anyway. And, and, and even reckon, the other Crawford? two sides. like we, we could be sitting here next week going, wow, Richmond and Geelong are in the grand final. Yep. What an incredible effort. And that so, would be a huge effort, yeah, wouldn't Yeah, it? absolutely. When you consider a lot of the other teams have floundered mm. big time, Hub Life has and worked well, for them. They haven't been consistent mm. enough. They, they've, you know, they've put up a white flag, some of the, mm. the other teams. Absolutely. Um, and said, and nah. yes, Tuesday was 100 days in the Hub. Mm. For, and a few of the clubs had a celebration for their 100th day in the Hub. Yep. It's a huge effort, really. And, and I've heard some coaches with little excuses, oh, he probably didn't have a good year because, you know, hub life's not for him and he needs to get out and do other things and put his mind in a different space. You just have to applaud what Richmond and Geelong have been able to do. You know, you get a, a day's notice to pack everything up, off you go. And they thought they were going And then for you get weeks. into game mm-hmm. mode. Now they're in prelim, yeah. possibly a grand final, maybe winning a grand final. It's a, it's a phenomenal effort. It's a great effort from all the teams. Mm. But, um, you know, definitely Richmond, with all the issues they've had, you know, they've had a lot of undisciplined issues, a few off-field issues, lots of stuff going on. You know, I hear Caroline Wilson, you know, saying, you know, they've lost the plot and, you know, bad leadership and bad management. These things happen at a football club and, you know what, they just get on with it. They keep getting the job done. That, for me, is a sign of a great club that can just work their way through that and not be distracted. So, um, no, well done to all four clubs. It's a great effort and... No doubt, no doubt both matches are going to come down to a kick either way. 
Uh, I have no, absolutely no doubt because they've got great fight, great spirit. They all run extremely well as football clubs. They both, all the teams never give in. So, um, yeah, just sit back and enjoy. Yeah, four of the best teams going around. I'm tipping Geelong plus three and a half oh. because I changed my mind every hour this week for this game. So I thought, why not take this slight underdog with the start because there's every chance Brisbane win by one, two or three points. So at That's least true. I've got the tip. I'll right tell you what they did incredibly well against the Tigers because I was questioning. I'm like, oh, why did Stephen Martin, why are they playing Stephen Martin for Brisbane? But what he did in that first final against Richmond was he didn't get a lot of the footy, but every time the ball went forward, he was wiping out all the defenders for Richmond. Like, seriously, he, he was making physical contact. He was bashing and crashing, and he was just not allowing him to uh, intercept. And how many intercept marks did Richmond have in that game? Mm. None. None. That's amazing. So his team role was unbelievable, what he did. So so look for Stefan Martin this week against Geelong. Look for him doing all the, the real team things. It's not about getting all the football. It's making sure Tom Hawkins... You know, can't sort of body and, you know, because you still want Harris Andrews to still be someone to intercept the ball and, and follow the footy. So look for him getting in the road, blocking space, doing all the team things, bashing and crashing around stoppages, helping Lockie Neal if Lockie Neal's got someone running around with him. Look for Stefan Martin. He was a real impact. And, you know, in ice hockey, there's always a player in ice hockey who goes on and whacks everyone on the opposition and they get the paid enforcer. Yeah, and they get paid good money to go out there and just help the team. Well, he he did that. We know he can do some great stuff around the stoppages, but you look for him splitting packs a bit like Nat Nui. Stefan Martin did that in the first week of the finals. Uh, a lot of people haven't spoken about it, but it was incredible what he did for the team and you you watch it this week, I guarantee you. He'll be wiping out Geelong players when he can, in fairly. He has had an amazing career since leaving mm, Melbourne going to Brisbane. About 10 years ago, I knocked him out of a poker tournament. Did you? He didn't speak to me for five years. <laughs> it was a bit of aggression about him, it too. I wasn't worried about that. not good etiquette to go all in against someone you know. No. But, you know, I don't no, know. you wipe him out. That, Take him out. I did, and it's the best like... thing was, and I never told him this, I was bluffing. <laughs> Went all in. Don't tell him now. Him. It's like when you have your multi, never cash out. No, no never, never cash right. out. You Double can't cash up. out. <laughs> All right, we're going to finish this podcast. Remember, we have a Brownlow preview as well. So if you enjoyed this, please make sure you listen to our other footy preview ahead of a massive Brownlow medal 2020. Will it be Lockie Neal? Will there be an outsider? You'll have to tune in to hear our thoughts there. I'm going to throw some names at Glenn McFarlane, and you are going to tell us what club they will play for in oh, 2021. Gee, that's interesting. Jeremy Cameron. Oh, can't give you two, can I? Because it's up in the air at the you moment. Can. I can. No, so, so there's only. One. I reckon there's only two. Oh, I'm happy with two. <laughs> there's only two. Geelong, and Geelong have expressed their interest in Jeremy Cameron and are very keen to take him. But there's still a fluke's chance that he might stay with the Giants. The Giants are confident. My God, are they always confident? The Giants. They were confident about every player. So I reckon it's come down to those two. I, don't, I really don't think there's anyone else involved. And that, that, that probably means that Harry Taylor finishes up. You know, because he he's been there for a long time. He's been a great servant. He's probably he's been on probably good money. So you can't just bring them all in. So you'd expect because you know you'd expect that would be the case. So I suppose they'll let things play out until they actually are out of the competition, and then then they'll sort of have. How a would Geelong be if they could bring in Crouch, Cameron, Higgins? Higgins is a done deal. So. Honestly, that would be amazing for Geelong. All right, next one. And I was going that Sean way. Sean Higgins. No. <laughs> Geelong. Brad Crouch. Geelong. 
Still think it'll be Geelong. Uh, there's been a few clubs interested. I really don't think what's happened in the last couple of weeks is really going to impact too much, other than a little bit of a haircut in terms of money. Jordan Dugowie. Collingwood. I still believe it'll be Collingwood. I think he wants a million dollars. And if you look mm-hmm. at Darcy Moore signing yesterday, only yesterday on sorry on Tuesday, uh, signing on Tuesday for about eight hundred thousand. Jordan Dugowie wants a million dollars. He's not worth a million dollars. The way he his output at the moment is not worth a million dollars. We've had Carlton definitely had a had an interest in him earlier in the year, uh, but it has waned when they know how difficult it's going to be to get him uh, in a trade and also to to try and finalise the uh, the money scenarios. Essendon. Had had a brief flirtation, but I think uh, I think he'll stay at Collingwood. That's where he wants to stay. He just wants the money to stay. But but the thing with um, Dugowie is, yes, we talk about oh he's not worth that on mm. what he's been producing and so forth. But we know we know what he's capable of, and you probably if he plays all year, you know, um, you think oh maybe maybe you know he's he's worth about that figure or, or whatever. But I, I think with Dugowie, two years ago he was offered massive money from North Melbourne. Sure was, and he did the right thing by Collingwood and said, no, nah, do you know what? Like, he would have been offered over a million bucks. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was yeah, a, on a long-term a deal, five or six-year deal. And he said, no, nah, Collingwood's been good for me. Took about I the eight fifty at Collingwood back yeah, then. Which is still very good, good money. money. Yeah. So he's he's done the right thing by Collingwood. Right now, he's a 25-year-old, is he? What, what is yeah, he, 24 or 5 or 6? I think he's 25. I'll yeah, so right that. now, his next contract – He's got to make the most of it because he's, he's in his prime right now. A lot of clubs would love him and find a way because he can play midfield. I think he's a wonderful midfielder when he's fit. He's such an impact. He's, he's sort of like Christian Petrarca and Paddy Dangerfield, the way that he can impact around a stoppage and then go forward and have an impact. He he's is. 25 at the start of next season. He's, he's a March birthday. Okay, so, yeah. um. so so the, the question mark is, do you give him – does he go, do you know what? I'll hang in there for two more years here and, you know, do your best and see what we can do and I'll, you know, do the right thing by the club because with COVID and, and the salaries for next year, we don't know how much they're going to be trimmed and so forth. So I'll do that. Or does he go, do you know what? I'm not going to be a player who plays into my 30s. That's just the way I am. That's not me. I've probably got four or five years left. I've got to make the most of it right now. So. So these are the situations, you know, players come up against. It's like, do I go to maximum dollars and and try and set my future up? Do I go to North Melbourne, who are going to offer me $1.1 million a year for the next five years, and guess what? I've got my future secured. Or do I go, I'll hang in Collingwood for another year or two, but guess what? You're 27, and you're not going to get a long-term contract. If your form's not there, you're not going to get big money. Um, so these are all huge question marks, which is, you know, interesting. And if you had a good club, and he's had a good club at Collingwood, it makes it very, very difficult. But you sometimes you need outside influences saying, listen, you know, like you've you got to make the most of it because you probably kick yourself when you finish your career because all of a sudden you've got a house here and now you've got a house over here and you know what, you can take rent off that house so you don't have to work as hard, and life's okay. Yeah, so the these are all the that, things. Though, if you are a champion at Collingwood, you are mm. set for life. Absolutely. If you win a premiership, but in my opinion, the mm. biggest sporting club in our country, mm. and you are a what, key player in that. What do you mean set that, for life? You think about, okay, if you are a retired GWS player, no one knows who you are. If you retire after playing a great career at Collingwood, think about all the opportunities post-football. Sure, right. Shane could have had those when he when he had the chat with Eddie. He could have been a Collingwood <laughs> Premiership player all these years. Well, you're I, right, I, though. You're I, is. To be honest, I don't. Th- yes, 
you revered and, and respected mm-hmm. so much Collingwood. I know he's a premiership player and he put his heart and soul and did everything for us. But that doesn't mean they offer you jobs and that doesn't mean they financially secure your future for the next 20 years. It does, it's like, thank you so much. You've been wonderful. They've got to worry about the next lot of group coming through. So it doesn't necessarily work like that. But what do you think he wants to do post-football? Uh, no not a lot. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. Have a bit of fun. You've got to do something, though. Well, you yeah, true. I mean, I think like, he'd love a connect. I think I think you make a really good point, that, and I'm sure this is the way Eddie sells it to Jordan Dugowie as he sold it to other players over the journey as well. Stay with Collingwood. You're in the fold. Um, we, we know people who can look after you. We can yep. provide a um, you know some sort of structure around you where you can make some serious money outside of football. Eddie has said it. He, I think what he'll do, I think he'll sign. His father is managing him at the moment, do which like is that? problematic. No, I'm not a big fan of that. And um, he, he obviously is looking Wouldn't to see. Wouldn't you rather pay your father the commission? If they might not know the ins and outs. Correct. They might not know all those little things. It's not that hard. That it's big... like, where do you want to play? How much how money much? do you want? But there's negotiation as and well, though, Shane. Like, there's, there's not – really, we, yeah. there's not a great deal to it. You know, from a, a use of image and so forth, there's always a marketing area where you can contribute mm. from a football point of view so you can work that in. But we, we want to complicate dealings all the time. And it's it's not about, oh, yeah, throw in a car here and do this because you're not allowed to do that anymore. Mm. So it's like, here's your figure. Um, here's a guaranteed amount that we'll give you. Here's a bonus if you, you know, can do well in the best and fairest or if you can make an all-Australian side. I, I just think sometimes we complicate contract agreements because, to be honest, I wouldn't know. S- some of the contracts I saw, I wouldn't know the finer details and I don't really want to know. All I want to know is if I bust my gut and put everything into it, you know, that I'm going to be paid fairly, Um you know, I didn't want to be paid over. So I just wanted to be paid what I thought, you know, I should mm. be worth. And um, I, I just think sometimes we can overcomplicate contract negotiations. I think you'll find that he will make a decision soon where he takes on a more traditional managerial uh, pathway uh, to get this deal done. I'm sure his father's done a great job with him, um, but I think there'll be a bit more. And that's something we might find out in the next week or two. Um, I, I think personally he wants to stay, but he wants to be compensated for staying as well. But if he signs on for two more years, that takes him through to free agency, as it does with Darcy Moore. Then you can make the next big decision as a 26, 27-year-old player. So so forward. what about Collingwood? Everyone talks about, oh, they've got a tight squeeze at the they moment. Have. You know, you've got players like Pendlebury, who deserves to be paid mm. well. Grundy on a million dollars a year. You've got Trelaw, came from the Giants on good money. You've got a few of the other Taylor you got Adams. Yeah, correct. You've you got know, some serious money. Got and then you've got, a, you've got through, Josh Dacos, they've bottom. got to get uh, signed up again, so, um, which is close. Uh, and, and you've got Brody Majek, who, who's been offered a deal, but he's, there's still a long way apart. Yeah. And so there's a lot of going you, on. You know, there. you hear about talk of Trelaw because his partner's going to play interstate. Yeah, sure. Um, but he's on good money and he wants to stay at Collingwood. But then a few years ago when he was at the Giants. Mm. He said, no, nah, there's no way, you know, this is, I'm staying here. This is what happens. And then two months later, he turns up as a Collingwood player. Yeah. He's saying that about the Suns at the moment. Well, last year, so, there was the Suns had a massive crack at him last year and Collingwood were very interested in potentially hmm. moving him on because it might have meant they were able to get the number one draft pick, So, Matt so why are they so moving him on? Is it because... He's on a lot of money. He's yeah. on a lot of money. I think they really like him as a person. They like him as a player. Uh, but he has got some hamstring issues, issues. We know that. He's had some issues this year that um, – and, and I think the, the bottom line is he'll probably stay. But it is just fascinating, isn't it, that he's so close to his, to his fiancée and his, and his young daughter that 
uh, and he spent every day with them since the start of the, uh, you know, the pandemic in a sense, because they went into the hub with him, that now they're going to be apart for 10 months. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Okay, final one, Ben Brown. This is the fascinating one because um, it's going to come back to what a club is prepared to pay. Uh, ben Brown had a big offer on the table earlier in the year from the Kangaroos, which was taken off after round one. And I think you're looking at a club like Essendon who might be interested, but at the right price and at the right deal. Uh, Kangaroos didn't help their own cause by throwing it out there that they didn't want him. I think it was a really bad strategic move uh, that early. I think Collingwood certainly, there's been some some minimal interest at Collingwood if uh, if it could get the job done. There's a couple of others that are interested as well. I think it's a bit up in the air. He's been driving back from, he's had a bit of a holiday driving back from Queensland and uh, I think that'll really crank up in the next week or so. Well, it's going to be a fascinating period and we'll stay tuned for all the latest developments. And in the meantime, you've been listening to Tabs Inside 50. Croft put away the board games, the AFL rolls on, and so does Tab's AFL Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly, gambler's help, 1-800-858-858.